This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Genevieve Sims. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that highlights and promotes entrepreneurs to learn more about their vision, goals, and marketing strategy. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about creating story-based video content for businesses. In studio with us today is Allison Emmert, a video cinematographer and the owner of Indigo Film Productions. Allison, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mark, for having me again. I'm excited to be here. You know, we need to get into the the design of the logo and, and what ca- yes. what came into that. Let's figure that out today as well. I'm your host, Mark Ebinger, the owner of Krukus Virtual Staffing, a company that specializes in hiring virtual assistants from outside the United States. And I am your co-host, Genevieve Sims with the Evolve Firm, where we create innovative and creative uh, branding strategies for small businesses. And I'm Kian Frith. I'm a CFO consultant with KV Impact Consulting. Awesome. A quick reminder to follow the Let's Talk Business podcast on all major podcast platforms and social media where you can catch video versions of the show anytime. You can get to everything easily from our website at satalkradio.com. If you're going to be in the San Antonio area on Thursday, May 16th, 2024, be sure to join us at the next Let's Talk Business Mega Business Mixer. That's a lot of business, right? We are expecting 150 <laughs> local business owners and entrepreneurs on site to mix, mingle, and connect with each other and to do more business. That's with, a lot of business. Right? Without a doubt. I'm not being funny. If you didn't go to the last mixer, you do need to go to this one. Hey, mm-hmm. um, the feedback from that last mixer was awesome. It um, was amazing. It was a lot of fun. It was a l- great turnout. So what was your experience at that mixer? We'll just make some mini clips here. So what, what was your experience though, seriously? Um, just to be able to, to walk up to, to people and talk to people that I don't typically see out in the networking world. I mean, I, I try to get out there as much as possible and go to networking events, but obviously we're not always going to see everybody all the time. And to be able to see some of the people that I've seen previously and some new people to network was was great and to have that professionalism all around you was a very it was a great experience what do you think about the number because there's 150 people that made it there to the event do you think that that was a good number was it too many could we do more what were your thoughts no i think it was a great number because it gave you the opportunity to just keep moving and talking well, and did you make some good connections there? We did. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That makes it worth it, right? Because we have to drive, and then we're there, and then blah, blah, blah. Apparently, we ran out of drinks early, uh, quickly, because our cups were a little too big. <laughs> too big. That's a big problem. <laughs> but hey, next time, we're just going to bring more alcohol. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, don't, don't make smaller yeah. cups. Right? I agree. <laughs> I mean, it was really interesting. So, um, being one of the co-hosts, I was on the, the front desk with, with Kirby. We had a blast. I'm with Heather, too. But... For me, it was a real joy because that meant I could say hello to everybody as they came through the front doors. But the feedback I was getting from people as they came through the front doors was, wow. Because literally they opened up the doors and they just heard this um, cacophony of noise, but really positive. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could just hear a buzz. And I was like, I'm really proud to be a part of this. You know, it, 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 was just, it made it a really joyful event just hearing... From the moment they walked through the front doors, there was something really positive. And then post-event, seeing the post go up into LinkedIn and people commenting and liking and going, that was an exceptional Mixer event. I'm like, that was great to be a part of it. You know, to be part of a team of, of professionals who host, co-host on the podcast, just hearing these people going, that was something special. I'm like, just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and then even the on. buzz yeah. afterwards, too, because I know when I posted about it on my uh, social media I had people responding back, oh, what is that? How do I get a hold of mm-hmm. them? And so yeah. I'm sure you've got a, a, a lot of inquiries after that. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to in, we're going to focus on mostly the positives. There was a, a couple of negatives in there that were like things that could be a little bit better uh, that we're going to tweak a bit and uh, just really, because the whole goal is to make it a great experience for people coming that they can connect, do business, have mm-hmm. some fun, and they feel like, hey, I cannot wait for the next one. We're just going to keep building the momentum on those. Mm-hmm. So right. love it. And so we're trying to get you to come and be part of the, the filming side of that. What are your <laughs> thoughts there? Because it's like, do you want to participate or do you want to like film or whatever there? I mean, I would love to to be in front of everybody with my equipment so that way people can really see there you go. Yeah. more of, of what app. I actually do. Um, it's one thing walking in and, and talking to people and networking and telling them what I do. It's another thing to actually show them what I do. 
Yeah, and then all of the media coming out of there, or at least video media, because we'd have a photographer there too, but all the video media coming out of there would, of course, be from what you guys had done, right? which would be really cool. And I'm sure it would be an honor for you to be a part of our mixer, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We'll work on it. All right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So good times. Well, the next one's going to be coming up on May 16, 2024. So you can get to our our website at satalkradio.com. You can get to the uh, tickets there. Uh, the first hundred batch of tickets is up for sale now, so we'll get those sold as quick as we can. All right, so um, welcome back, Allison. Always good to see you. You guys are constantly leveling up what you guys are doing with your video production side. You're involved in some new stuff now. Yes. Um, but let's start with your logo. So I want to understand <laughs> what's the – so there's a film can, right? Yes. Or is that – So that's the, it's the film uh, reel. reel. And then you've got uh, Indigo Snake. Okay, so, so what's the inspiration there? So it, our name is based off the Texas Indigo Snake. And if you're not familiar with the Texas Indigo Snake, it is a non-venomous snake that actually hunts and kills venomous snakes. Oh. And the reason why we decided upon that name is because we actually live on 16 acres out in Kennedy, Texas. And uh, we... We've been there for about two years now, a little more than two years, and we have not come across a single rattlesnake, knock on wood. But where we're at is oil field area, so it's very dry, cleared out area. So you would see, assume you would see a lot of rattlesnakes. Well, we haven't seen any, but we have seen the indigos on our property. So we know the indigos are essentially kind of keeping our property safe from those poisonous snakes. Uh, okay. So is then that's the inspiration for it? That's the inspiration. I it's love just kind of like, you know, the underdog yeah, kind of keeping everybody where they need to be safe and sound away from all the um, negative. Okay, negative cool. People, so it's got a positive thoughts. vibe to it. Yes. So do you have oh, snakes uh, in the UK? Grass snakes. Oh, really? That's it? Just grass snakes? Yeah, no poisonous no. ones? I've never seen poison snake in my life. Oh, wow. But the, the funny thing is when I moved here end of July last year and um, in August, I'm out in the yard. And I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing. No gloves on. Pick <laughs> up a rock. Pick up a rock and see this beautiful little snake all curled up. Really pretty markings. Mm-hmm. Coral snake. Yeah. Oh, wow. But um, it, it wasn't bothered by me. It just slid off and disappeared in. And I took a picture because I didn't know what it was. And go back inside, look us up, like, okay, that's um, not ideal, you know? So, um, yeah, welcome yeah. to Texas. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. My, uh, my son actually caught one of the indigo snakes that was actually kind of go, trying to go after our quail. Because, you know, they'll eat the birds and everything. But he, the snake ended up in our quail coop. And my son went in there, and they're actually very docile snakes. And he went in there and grabbed it out and the snake was probably about a good five and a half feet long grabbed the snake out walked it back towards the back of our property and just let it go and it just slithered on away wow (laughs) so in hawaii we don't have any snakes in fact if a snake is found on a boat on a cargo boat and it gets loose on the island the whole island shuts down until they find that snake that's how crazy it will not thrive on (laughs) so define shut down like everything is shut down until they find that snake. Government is everywhere trying to find it. They just had one a couple of months ago. I saw on their social media. But um, they're pretty good at finding them, apparently. So there's a few that get, you know, loose when they're delivering certain cargoes. And, um, yeah, the whole island is out looking That's for crazy. the snake until it's found. That is crazy. Wow. Does everybody so, have to wear a mask, too? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what if it's like a like a... Like a pet, like you're not I, allowed to have pet snakes. You're not allowed to have pet really? snakes. Absolutely wow. not. Yeah. What, why are you so concerned about snakes in Hawaii? Uh, just because there's a lot of natural wildlife there that, um, I mean, that could easily be gone as soon as that snake comes on. Makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Apex predator come in and just mm-hmm. clean house. So huh. it's really interesting. <laughs> when I came here, that was a big culture shock for me. <laughs> but indigo snakes, is there? Is that the one that has a little bit of blue in there too? So Yeah, sometimes. So like right? the snake that's on my shirt is actually the color that it is. It's a black and it has a little bit of a, but it, it's so black. Sometimes you, uh, it looks blue. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom part of it, it's, it has a little bit of a reddish 
tint to it. Yeah, it's So the snake beautiful. that's actually on the shirt and on our logo is a Texas indigo snake. Wow. Hmm. wow. So let's wow. talk about you getting into, um, well, I guess there's a couple different ways to start this, right? So you're working on a talk show right now for military veterans. Yes. How did that come about? How did you guys end up there? And what are you guys doing to kind of develop that side of what you're doing? Yeah, so we had worked with this client previously. Um, he came in as a referral from another client that we worked with. And to start out, we did testimonial videos for him for a new app that he was releasing. And everything went really great. He loved what we did for him. And then he reached back out about two weeks later and said, hey, I have this really great idea for the new year because this was like right after the new year. And I was like, okay, like, tell me about it and see if we can help. And he said that he wanted to do a podcast. I was like, okay, so why a podcast? He's like, well, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are starting to do it. It seems like something that I really want to be able to do also to be able to talk to some of my previous clients that are vets and see what their experience was like in the military. And I said, okay, cool. I said, but what about maybe just a talk show? If it's just going to be you and them, maybe make it a little more personable, can move around a little bit more. And he was like, you know what, that's kind of a good idea. Let's, let's try it and see how it works. And so I talked to my wife, Jen, and I told her about it. And she was like, we've never done anything like that. And I was like, I know we haven't, but it seems very interesting. And let's, let's try it out and see how we like it. I mean, we're not going to know if we're not going to like it if we don't try it. And so we gathered up our equipment. We've got you know, audio, lights, cameras, and we were going to film at his where his office is in the common area of his office after everybody has gone home and left for the day. And once we filmed our first episode, the first episode was very intriguing. It went on for about longer than we expected just because the conversation was so good. And we were able to cut it up so that way he had marketing material to put out there for teasers and then had his full episode release for him. And Jen and I kind of looked at each other and we were like, that was kind of fun. We, we kind of enjoyed that. We liked being behind the camera, setting everything up and just making sure everything ran good and listening to the conversation and then being able to just put together those highlights and see what the reaction was from his followers about it. And then now all the inquiries that he's getting from people that he knows wanting to be on the show. So we actually just finished filming the third episode, uh, the third show over the weekend, which uh, ended up kind of interesting because we had a someone walk in and get in the background of the shot because we have to apparently rent out the space, even though it's after hours. And um, But, you know, run into a little hiccup there. We were able to fix it and move forward. But we, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Um, so what's the business of that? What does that look like as far as, um, and I know Kian would appreciate, is how many man hours is going into this project, mm -hmm. right? versus the, the 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 rate the fee does that make good business sense what kind of adjustments do you think need to be made if any in that realm when it comes to the business side of it because i know editing right you can sit down and you can be hours and you know it too you can be hours and hours and hours into it especially when it comes to drawing out really good clips which is mm -hmm. what i do right um so how does the the business side of that come in for you well first of all you've obviously got to know what the storyline is to be able to really know when you're listening, that's a good part to be able to cut out for marketing. That's a good part cut out for marketing. So you already know kind of ahead of time as you're listening through it and already doing um, those thoughts in your head to create something. And then really once it's all said and done, the filming is done, after the fact, I think it it took me just a weekend to be able to to – edit everything out and and get it back to him uh, but that was two days worth of continuous editing 
Does that make business sense when you work out the hourly rate? Or do you see that as something that needs to be adjusted? Because so, I'm interested in the business aspect mm -hmm. of it. Because, I mean, I know your world very, very well because this is what we do here. Right. But in and, and keeping an eye, when you're talking about, hey, that's a good clip, that's a good clip, I'm just going to ignore most of those clips. You know what? <laughs> no, but it's like, well, right, when you're picking out those things, but then you've got a video editor, right? Yes. So it's like, right now, I'm doing a lot of that stuff myself because I'm in between video editors, right? Yeah. But when you have a video editor, how do you identify those? You know what I mean? So there's lots of questions I have in that, in that space. Yeah, so really, we'll just kind of mark down bullet points like, hey, when they start talking about this, we want that as, as something. Gotcha. So that way, whenever we do send the material over to the editor, they know exactly, okay, when you start talking about this or this or this, and we'll, we'll do our best to kind of timestamp what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. During uh, the flow? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so like in the beginning part, this is what they start talking about. Make make some make a marketing material or a teaser about this, um, and then sometimes too, what I've also done myself is just trying out to kind of like put a couple different things together. It may not be something that is completely in order, but to make it sound intriguing and interesting about the conversation that's going on you know, put together something that will get someone looking at it and say, whoa, I got to watch that. Yeah, that's whole part of the planning thing, right? Yeah. But when you first started thinking about starting your business, mm -hmm. um, you've obviously come from a background in it, right? And so when you, when you're in, you, when you've already had that experience, you kind of think like, okay, this is what I'm going to do in my business. This is not what I'm going to do in my business. And kind of map out a different, business strategy for yourself. So when you and your wife were building this business and the brand, what was it that you were saying, I need to make sure that I don't do this, that my old company or my past experience um, has taught me, I don't want to bring that into this new business. What was that process for you? I think it was more, and I think that's a lot of the reason why we ended up hiring Krukus too, is because a lot of the hours that are spent mm -hmm. editing, you know, I like editing, but at the same time, too, I like building my business more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and so business-wise, that was one of the things that we have figured out going into it. And then a little bit into building the business, we realized that a lot of the editing was going to be very tedious and, and you know, it's going to be a long time. And so we decided to to hire a editor, which has proven to be very beneficial yeah. because, again, we're able to work on our business and build our business opposed to working in the business 24-7. Yeah. And it allows us to expand and grow. And you can keep your costs down, too, right? I mean, when you're because you're outsourcing. Yes. It's not. $40 an hour, right? I mean, it's a lot less than that. So you yes. can leverage that well, Absolutely. keep the price down for your for your clients. Right? Yes. But, but then at the same time, I mean, so the, the numbers aspect is really interesting. You know, um, we were talking to Samantha just recently, you know, about her the rate that she's charging for her events. Um, and I worked with Samantha. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I'd asked her was, okay, great. So you've gone and done this event, but how many hours have you spent preparing that event? And when she told me, and I just sat there, I've worked some out in my head, obviously, but I wanted to prove it to her. So I just called up on the phone and said, this is how much you're basically earning per hour. Are you comfortable with that? And she's like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, and so I'm wondering for yourself, and like you, you said a moment ago that with the, the talk show, it, it was only a weekend, no two full days. Yeah. But like, that's a big cost. It is. Really, and really that's a whole cost. weekend that's whole, gone. Yeah, yeah. That, that was at least... I would say about, I would say about 12 to 16 hours worth of editing. Yeah. Okay. So the way I'm thinking is, okay, so how much are you charging the client? And actually, if you then take into account your time there, mm -hmm. uh, does it still stack up? And, you know, if you were to really charge your time out of the value of your time, mm -hmm. would it then be a point where actually the client would be able to afford that because that's just too much? 
And so you have to compromise. And so you ultimately you're taking a lesser sum. So actually that's where it makes sense to outsource, but then do you outsource everything because you got to lost a weekend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so, so what, what, what's your tipping point there? And picking up on what Genevieve was saying there is, what have you learned from the past that you're not going to do it again? Like in the past, did you work weekends and you're still working weekends? Do you need to adjust the way that you do things? Yeah. You know, to get your no, time absolutely, back? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we're not working weekends is something that we strive to, if we have to film on a weekend, that's different. Right. Going out and that's filming. That's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it exactly. is. Um, do you still see it as fun? Filming? Well, the editing oh, process is just so tedious. Yeah. I mean, it's seriously, it's mentally exhausting because it, it does take a lot of creative thought and process mm -hmm. to it. It's time consuming. You know what I mean? And it's okay to do it once in a while, but you don't want to have to do it day in, day out, right. which is why I think, you know, in your example about Samantha's really stood out for me and also your conversations with me as well. It's like we got to figure out and make sure that we're – charging appropriately that it's sustainable for the client and figuring all of that out so that's really where i'm most curious is how do you flush that out it's trial and error right we got to it figure is. it out yeah so what we charge i mean what we are charging right now is definitely not something that would be sustainable if i continue what i'm doing now because it just wouldn't make any sense as far as the amount of hours amount of time that i'm working on it opposed to having delegate out the editing process. That makes a lot more sense to do it that way. Uh, you, we take it, we're on set for about an hour filming and it takes us maybe 20 minutes to get all set up, 30 minutes to get set up, and then maybe another 15 to break everything down. So you're looking roughly about two hours total in that day, filming, setting up, and then once we're done with that, then, you know, whenever I edit myself, you're, I'm looking at 10 hours maybe of editing everything out, and what we're charging, like I said, wouldn't make any sense if I continued doing it myself, which is why we delegate the editing out so that way we open up that time and be able to keep that cost down for the client. So that way it's more reasonable and more achievable for the client to and be able to can, grow their business. You can scale too. Yeah. It allows so you to scale. Scaling. Yeah. And that's, a, I think as a business owner, that's the toughest question to be asked when you start your entrepreneurship journey is how much are you charging? You know, um, when I first started mine, a lot of my mentors are like, you're not paying yourself enough. I said, but I'm trying to focus on growing my business. And so I had all these ideas in my head in order to grow. Maybe there's some times that, yeah, I'll take some pro bono work to increase my, um, my portfolio. And then you find out, like, how much time is going into that. And, like, you know, it's all trial and error as an entrepreneur. And I think that you have found, like, a pretty good balance, right, as mm -hmm. far as figuring out how to scale and being in a network of people like, um, like Mark here, to show you that there's other ways to scale and to increase revenue without sacrificing your weekends, you know. And that's a new thing is, like, how what is the non-negotiable for you? Mm -hmm. What is the non-negotiable for your business? And starting that off, you ever heard that quote that says, whatever you tolerate, you authorize to stay. So if there's times that you just don't want to give up a weekend, then that's, you know, you're going to set the tone for the rest of your business. And right. these are the thoughts and these are the things in the process that you go through as an entrepreneur. Right. But, but it's, it's interesting what um, Alison's experiencing. It's replicated, isn't it, across so many businesses. Oh, yeah. Um, they go, I, I, I need to do this, you know, because that's how I keep the cost down. But there's a cost to you and your weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an impact there. And people don't think about that side of things. Right. You know? And something that I've discussed with my wife as well, and we are both on the same page, as an entrepreneur, especially whenever you're starting up, you're going to have to have those times where you're going to have to sacrifice your weekends, your holidays, whatever the case, to be able to get your business to that point. And I think right now we are at that prime time of our business journey to where we are uh -huh. kind of 
right on that fence line where we're like, we're just about there to where we don't have to sacrifice anymore, but we still have to a little bit just to make sure that we get to that point where we can just completely start scaling. So how, how would you know when you've reached that tipping point? Once, once we're able to know that we have everything, just it's the complete process is in order. And we're still trying to put that process together and, and piece it in and puzzle it in to be able to know when we do this, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And it just gets done. So what part of your process are you like working on? What's still the unknown? The unknown right now is trying to figure out how we can better schedule ourselves. Um, right now, we are not only trying to grow our business, but we're also trying to be a employee as well. Um, through other jobs to be able to kind of make ends meet for the time being. As a business owner, we've all been through that at that point. Mm -hmm. But we're at that point where we're, it's just trying to get those schedules in place and be able to say, you know what, these are our availabilities. This is what it's going to be. Because right now we have a lot of clients that will call us last minute kind of saying, hey, are you all available? And, you know, we want to be able to make that money. We want to be able to give that client the customer experience, you know, the, the experience that, they, that we can give them, that they're looking for. And by doing so, we're kind of running ourselves into the ground a little bit because we're making ourselves almost too available. And I feel like that in itself is putting us in a position where we kind of need to scale back a little bit and be like, okay, we've got, we've got our time frames and this is what it's going to be. And if you can't, it's, it's just, it's trying to work through all those different areas sure, yeah. of, of scheduling and boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And knowing exactly when to say no. Yes. And, and that is very, very hard as an entrepreneur. Oh, it's of saying it's no. I think it's actually two difficult. letters that, most entrepreneurs yes. just can't audibly produce. Yeah. Um, but you've touched on an aspect there today that I think so many small business and entrepreneurs have a difficulty with. And I see it so many times as a CFO consultant is that they've not considered process. Uh, they've, they've built out a business and they're, always, they're, they're doing, uh, they're gaining clients, they're growing, but there's no process, there's no infrastructure in place to mm -hmm. actually help them to scale as we've been I'm talking about earlier mm -hmm. and actually if you deal with some of these things earlier on it's so much easier to scale from that position of strength because you've got your house in order is how I put it you know um, you're prepared and you're equipped to now build out so actually putting the technology in place even so um, it's like almost like mind mapping and writing it down in black and white if you need to and go, OK, this is how I want it to flow. How can I make this easier? What technologies could I put in place? How could I structure my time, my calendar, etc.? And if you start to think like that, all of a sudden the pieces of the jigsaw start to come together and the picture looks very, very different. And just you're setting yourself up for massive success. Yeah. But people don't think like that um, a lot of the time. It's a little But they think about it yeah. a few years down the line. And so invariably the business has scaled up and they're going, all of a sudden, like, I, I need an ERP solution. I need to do this. Well, actually, the cost then is far greater than if you'd gone and dealt with it much, much earlier on. Mm -hmm. you know? So how are your processes when it comes to, you know, an example where somebody's short notice wants to come in and it's going to maybe be on a weekend or be somewhere where you need to be able to fill that in? Do you have that process in place to be able to do that and still come out ahead, right? Making a profit mm -hmm. off of it. We haven't actually gotten to that point where we figured out completely what that process is. We are still trying to puzzle that together or piece it together, but we are actively trying to build that framework and that foundation to be able to grow and replicate later on down the road. What's the piece? What's the biggest piece you're missing? I think the, the biggest piece we're probably missing right now is 
honestly like the the structure itself mm-hmm. i what, think what do you mean by that what structure the structure being you've got a client calling in and we've so let me back up real quick we've got the process down after the fact that we filmed mm-hmm. right so the process is you get all you get the clips we send it over to the editor give the editor the instructions that whole process is set we're good on that pr- part it's the front end part right pre-sale pre-sale okay well let's quickly walk through that what does that okay. look like um well typically we get a lot of our clientele from it's referral based so people that do reach out to us they've talked to someone else that has previously used us and has you know talked good about us thankfully no <laughs> <laughs> um but that they reach they reach back out and they say hey i talked to so and so I want to be able to make a video or social media content or like we were talking about, I want to try a talk show. Can you do it? And our whole process, I think that we're missing the pre-sale part is to set those expe- expectations right. ahead of time. Like time. Time-wise. Time yeah. Here's the timeline. This is, this is what we need in advance. This is the time frame that we need it in. Uh, like there's a whole process that's process that goes into a production and we need that time to be able to storyboard if we have to, to pre-production, to get all of our shots in order. And right now we're, as I mentioned, we're at that point where we're, it's, it's hard to say no right now. We're well, putting ourselves in a go. position where we're almost yeah. scrambling, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we have that process that we need to be able to really okay, so put all our all ducks right. in a row prior to Are you able to create that process? Do you, are, yes. are you, okay, and it's not created, correct? Well, not, not yet. So yet. here's the thing, though. When you're coming from a creative aspect, it's a ca- it's going to be a case by case because the post production process for a talk show is going to be different from post production on a podcast. So that's where I could see where for her it's kind of a bit of a challenge because my time spent creating the storyboard and everything that we need for um, your show is going to be different from somebody else's show who may be outdoors or different elements in there. So I could see as a creative point of view, because I was struggling with that too. As a graphic designer, when I first started my business, I'm good at the production mm-hmm. side. I'm good at the creative side. But to tell somebody, hey, here's the upfront cost right away when we haven't even sat down and talked about it yet see what your expectations are, what your time frame, what your budget. That's why it's very important for us to have what's called a creative brief. And then from that point, then we can set expectations. But it's hard to just call and say, hey, what's your price right now? But we haven't talked what you needed yet. But we, that is the first know. step then, right? That's the creative brief. So the first step, what we're trying to put in place is a strategy session. Okay. Mm-hmm. creative brief mm-hmm. and that's basically just to sit down with the potential client and just talk about what it is that they're looking for to even see if we're even the right fit exactly. for that job okay. because we're going to tell them yes we can do this or you know or what no. or no or no but probably not a good idea to this time frame the way i'm listening to this at the moment is that um you've got various channels that you can go down so mm-hmm. I, I'm just picturing almost like looking at these walls here. It's like having a flow chart and you go down this line. Yes, no, maybe. And you, you just follow, follow that down. And actually, it's not overly complicated. It's just very straightforward kind of flow chart. And you can do it all pretty pictures. So it's all creative still. Um, but you just follow those, those channels down. Um, and by doing that, though, and having that, that structure there, Actually, when you're saying potentially no, that this is a process, if you want to do this within this brief, no problem at all. We would love to help you, but we're going to need to schedule it for this time. Mm-hmm. Now, I appreciate that as an entrepreneur and you're just starting out and you're trying to get your name out there, that whole saying no right now, but I can schedule you for then is hard. However, uh, there's a really good friend of mine back in Guernsey where I used to work in the Channel Islands. And he started up a project management office, okay? 
brilliant, brilliant guy. It was just him. Then he took on another person and another one, one left, blah, blah. They started off really small, but he was very good at saying no or I'd love to, but not now. And what it actually did is instead of turning business away, it created a, a lead generation and actually created work. And his business now, a few years down the line, has exploded and it's amazing that they're taking on so many consultants. They've grown from Guernsey to Jersey to other jurisdictions. And actually that's saying, they're having the confidence to go, I want to help, but actually enabled his business to grow. It seems counterintuitive. Well, it's a pipeline. You're filling a pipeline of business. But it worked. You know what I mean? But yeah. when you protect the client by having structure and processes in place, it creates a better experience, customer journey for them, and it's better for you guys. Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of sitting down and creating that flow so exactly. that when anybody comes in, they can fit into the to the overall structure and then you can get like niched down as you go through it. And then every time you do a project, create a, its process documentation as you go through it. Mm -hmm. So now you've got one where somebody wants a show or even a podcast could kind of fit probably close to that. Right. And then if they want what social media content, whatever, you just have that process in place. But it's just process documentation, which is, I, that's why I was so curious how you were going to jump in on this conversation because that's your world. Yeah, is, it is creating process yeah. documentation. The, the process and finding efficiency. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of time, if you do mm. this stuff, you're going to make your life so much easier. And you get to a point where you go, okay, well, actually, for this one, if you want it quicker, I can do it. But there's a premium to that. And you give the client then the choice, and they go, no, I'm happy to do that. You go, okay, no problem. Yeah. You know? And so all of a sudden now, you created a premium product if that client really needs that. You know? And we actually have started doing that. Awesome. Yeah, so like priority editing. There We've you go. done priority editing. Uh, so it's a it's an upcharge for that. So we, we are able to, and not only priority editing, but we're also able to utilize that in a reoccurring monthly fee. There you nice. go. And I'm That's curious too, good. like Genevieve, you, as you are, Genevieve's a consummate professional, right, in what she's doing. And she doesn't hurry up to rush. She's got processes in place. And she, you're very also good at communication so that the, the hot-to-trot guy that <laughs> wants to get everything done, and you're like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do first, and then we need to do this, and where's this at? She asks great questions. So when it comes to process, uh, not documentation, but just like processes when it comes to the creative side of it, what would be your recommendation on where to start with uh, something like this? With something like that, I mean, I would say talk to Key and have a, a mentor, a coach to help you because for us as creatives, I'm very in tune to my part, which is a creative part. So to make me sit down and go through a process and write down, um, I used to be part of a company where we had to log in hours. And I hated that because, okay, so three hours to do a website, but then now I'm limited. So your creativity flow is not going to be there because now you're rushed. Um, when I talked to a mentor, what I did was I told him my process and then him coming from the business side kind of took a step back and said, okay, for, so what I'm hearing is you need this amount of work to get the creativity part flowing, you know, to get inspiration, to put together a vision board, to get together palettes, things like that. So what he did was he created the structure after what I just said I needed to do to become creative, to be able to create um, uh, what the client is asking for because I have a different process. Because there's times where I just need to put my headphones on and just be on the computer and start coding or start designing. But then there's other times as a business owner, you have to be in front of that client. You have to talk to them and then you have to set the expectations. So me, you know, as a freelancer before, I said, I can get it to you whenever I can get it to you, whenever I'm done. That doesn't work in the business world. That doesn't work in a professional world. So to set those expectations and that's why it is important to kind of time yourself prior to mm -hmm. see how long it's going to take you to do a certain project. So in that way, you set the expectations right up at the front and give yourself some time. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, if it's going to take you two to three days and you've timed yourself, like this is how much it's going to take from post-production to actual production and then the final editing, then give your client three to four business days. 
Because then that will allow you to also exceed expectations and say, hey, I got it done in two days. Mm -hmm. But you're giving him the three to four business days just in case. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's it's really interesting. I think we're touching on an aspect here that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't do is actually understand what they're doing with their time Mm -hmm. and where their time is going. Um, And then actually understand the value of their time. When they're doing client work, are they actually charging the right amount for it? What are they getting themselves involved with? Are they doing things that actually ought to be um, outsource to virtual staffers? Are they doing things that actually would be better off if that person did it? Actually, are they doing, are they, you know, and it's just working that through. And I mean, I'd almost be suggesting to you, Alison, if uh, for the next month, you just record your time. Mm-hmm. Just, just understand, just um, not from any financial perspective, but just see wh- where's the time going, you know? Right. I'd say the same thing to Mark, like, wh- wh- what are you doing with your time? Well, I, I would, Maybe for some people, it's like, oh, my gosh, look how much time I'm spending just scrolling on social media. Like, I want to scale that back. I'm now actually going to put in, I'm going to just have a quarter of an hour first thing in the morning, quarter of an hour in the evening, bang. And I've now gained some more time that's actually going to be much more valuable used elsewhere. And it could just be a really interesting exercise. Yeah, it makes you very intentional with your time. Very intentional. So what I do, like, I set my alarm for 30 minutes. Everything is in 30 minute increments, as well as meetings, 30 minutes. And then I give myself, you know, 10, 15 minutes afterwards, but 30 minutes and start off from there. And then of course, you know, depending on what you're doing, spread it from an hour or two, but start off with 30 minutes and you'll really realize how much time you're spending in even the small things like social media, uh, traveling, you know, standing in line at Starbucks, (laughs) (laughs) those things. And then you can start being accountable for it. Because if you're expecting your clients to pay a certain amount for the time, then you want to be able to give them value that comes with that time. So there's like the mega rich people, right, that are they have a car driver, right, taking them from point A to point B Mm -hmm. so that they can be active making phone calls or doing whatever they're doing. They have really honed in on that time. On what their time is worth. Yeah, they take a private jet because they don't want Mm -hmm. their plane to get canceled. They don't want to wait in line. They don't want to whatever. So it's just it's not just a perk. It's also this there's a real meaning behind that. And time is the one thing that all of us are on the same playing field with. Even when it comes to client acquisition, just as an example, when I have somebody that says, hey, Mark, I'm interested in the VA services. I do, I talk to them. And then when it's like, okay, we're closed, we're good, they've paid the hiring fee, then it goes to Abby, who Mm -hmm. handles the hiring process from there. I don't really touch it other than monitoring it as it goes through the process, right? Because I've got that time back. So even for what you guys are doing, when it can come to you make the sale, but then the rest of the process of the sale, somebody else can actually be in charge of because it's just once you have the process in place, mm-hmm. they can run through that. And that's what I created for Abby, and then Abby helped with the process, is system documentation, right, process documentation. But um, you can hand that off. Right. So somebody else can do that, and then you can refine that down more and more and more on your business, which to me, that's the fun side because <laughs> I was looking to build a business, not a job. Right. You know what I mean? But there's still certain aspects I love, like you love going out and doing the filming, right? And talking with people, figuring out what they want and doing the filming process. Mm -hmm. Am I right on that? You love that part of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of what separates us from some of the other people that are in our industry that, you know, we, we like to interact and build that rapport with our clients to where they feel comfortable enough to be able to come to us and be like, hey... You know, I know we talked about this before, but let's try something else instead. And we want to we want to be able to not only keep that process in place right once we build it up, but also be able to be flexible enough so our client, again, can still have that good experience and then build a rapport at the same time, too. So that way, when we're done with the time that we spent with them they have something positive to go out and tell someone else. That way we keep having that cycle of referrals coming in. And the beauty of what we do, because we're both content creation people, is that content lives on for a long time. So Mm -hmm. when you do it right and everybody loves it, it's just, it's really cool because it's always going to be there. Yeah. What I like with the approach you're taking here is you're talking about the, the, the really good client experience. 
but then actually the product that you're producing too is really good quality. Like I love seeing your your, your um, content because it's just really good. So I, th I think that when my mind is working here with you at the moment, Alison, is the fact that just have the confidence to just go no or love to, but because people are gonna still love your content. They're gonna love the work you do. They're gonna love um, interacting with you and working with you and having that confidence. Like, I, and, and I think there's lots of other business owners really ought to have that confidence. And I think a lot too, um, something that we're also starting to realize more and more of, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, there's so much content out there that needs to be made and that isn't being made that at this point, when we started our business venture, we were always like, okay, competitors, our competitors. We've seen and realized that there's so much content that needs to be made for so many different people and businesses that we, we really don't feel like we have competition because we're all in it doing the same thing because there's so much content that needs to be made, whether it's social media content, talk show content, uh, content for websites, whatever the case may be that we're all just working together to make sure that content gets created. Well, what you're talking about now is an abundance mindset, not a lack mentality. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like there's plenty for everybody. Yeah, yeah. correct. Do, do you see the um, way that the content's going, that there's an, anything kind of like on the horizon that's going to be a real niche thing? So you can't really talk about it because <laughs> actually you're going to be taking some content to a whole other level that nobody I'm else is doing at the moment. I'm actually glad you brought that up because we are... I like are... the sparkle that came to your eyes. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, yeah. Um, there is a couple things that we have been looking into and discussing that is going to really take over fast, I believe. Can you give us any teasers or is this really, really hush-hush and you went oh, to take no, your I'm sure, I'm sure y'all have heard of it I mean, or we, have we, some we, inkling oh. on it. Oh. Um, but... It's called Unreal Engines. Are y'all familiar with Unreal Engines? Uh, just in gaming, the Unreal it's Engine. It's the back same in the day. thing, except it's only being used right now for gaming. Well, not only. Let me take that back. Let me step that back a little bit. But not many people are using it for the marketing aspect. And the problem is, is that there are so little. There's there's such a small community of developers. Uh, not many people are doing it because it's so hard to find developers. And I've actually found one. Wow. But what does that mean when it comes to content creation for business clients? So it can mean a number of things. Um, Give me it can one. mean, let's say you have a brick and mortar store and you want that client to experience a 3D version of their brick and mortar store. And it's something that you can do like in After Effects, but it kind of looks a little cartoony. This looks very real. If you're familiar with some of the Hollywood videos that have been put out there, especially a lot of the action-packed movies, a lot of it's created within Unreal Engines, and it looks very real, but it's actually all computer animated. Oh, wow. Well, that's most of your wow. Marvel movies, your DC mm -hmm. movies. That's all that is. But you're planning to bring that to businesses. That's what we're looking at. Ooh. Yes, that's that, what we're looking at. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's something that we don't necessarily have to keep just within San Antonio either. Oh, I like that. Because the architectural side of it, to be uh. able to build that 3D version or that virtual version of a business, especially with the new release of the Apple Vision Pro, that thing is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and that's something that could tie into that. Okay. You're so, talking about VR, right? VR, yes. Mm. And so, I mean, we're looking at, let's say, a quick example, because I was talking about it the other day, how cool it would be. Minute Maid Park. How cool would it be to be able to get the blueprints of Minute Maid Park over there in Houston? It's in Houston, right? I'm talking about the right one, I think. Anyways, uh, Houston Astros Stadium. Um. How cool would it be to get the blueprints for that and to be able to create that virtual vision so that someone could walk through there and just envision them being there? Not necessarily just Minute Maid, but more, I was thinking more of like event centers, event centers gotcha. around the world. A lot of people do uh, 
destination weddings or, you know, big events for whatever conventions, conferences. What do they do to select those venues? They go online, they look at pictures, they look at a couple of videos, right? But how cool would it be to be able to actually feel like you're there and walk around? Sure. That takes the marketing to a whole nother level. Absolutely. Plus five. Um, wait, wait. No, so five. that's Sorry. actually, ha- that's happening in real estate. Yeah, that's. I've the, seen that in real estate. I was wondering estate. if that was the same software, if that yeah. was the same thing, because mm-hmm. I've seen that in real estate. Because they're selling like big dollar real estate, right? For de- development projects that are not developed yet. And so they have people put on the VR, and it's like they can picture themselves on the site, the location. They can, you know, as far as what the build out and how that would look, that's high dollar stuff mm-hmm. that they're using it for there. What were you going to say, uh, Kim? Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to go on a different, slightly different tack. I, we were talking earlier about veterans. Yes. And, and you're, you're um, just saying there that, you know, you think you found a developer here for the Unreal Engine. And so obviously there's a scarcity thing. Is there anything that you could do to actually be a training house to, for veterans to enable veterans to transition into learning to develop with the Unreal Engine and bring them in? And that's a, just another division that you create within Indigo. I'm just thinking, you know, there's lots of people who are very that, tech savvy here in San that Antonio. That would actually be pretty cool. That you could then build mm-hmm. out. And I'm thinking of like the guests we had in last week where they've got that groundbreaking um, uh, passive building that they're doing. Wouldn't that be great as part of their marketing ready for their launch that they're creating some of the blueprints of what this facility is going to look like, you know, uh, and just taking it into all yeah, these the different venues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to do and not only that, like, like wow. Like venues, hotels, resorts. I mean, I like the idea of the virtual wedding. Like, um, my wife and I got married during COVID. We haven't had a proper wedding yet. So my wife wants on our fifth anniversary, which is next year, to put on uh, a big event. I'm like, that'd be great. If we could just do it all in VR and people could just stay at home. And <laughs> I, you know, it's probably cost a lot less. Yeah, probably as would. far as like doing I'm not like sure a, it's going to go down well with her. No, I don't think so. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You better. I'm not going to get away with that, am I? Nice try, that. Nice try. That would be pretty cool if they could do some sort of live version on the VR. I don't know if they can yet. I know they're still working through a lot of the. Um, Why wait on others? Go, go, go get a team together. Make it happen. <laughs> well, that's like virtual reality games. Like challenge awesome. accepted. The, right. so, gonna... so the developer that we found was is is. I mean, he's still getting started himself too. So mm-hmm. it's it's a process. And I told him, I said, yeah. "Well, you need to teach me because I need to figure out." the basics of this so I can go talk to people about it. Yeah, to be able to sell it. So it's really exactly exciting. Right. This is awesome. All right, we're going to have to, yeah, we're over an hour, so we did good. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you, Allison, how do they do that? You can either call or text 210-262-1408. They can go to our website, indigofilmpro.com, or they can go check us out on Facebook or Instagram, Indigo Film Pro. Uh, Indigo Film Productions on Facebook and on Instagram it's at indigo.film.pro Got it. Alright, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. That was a good session. I thought we dug in a little bit. Maybe I think we all learned a little bit and had some fun too. Alright, as we wrap up the show, quick reminder check out our latest podcast and catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to do it for this one. Great job everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Bye guys. Thank you. <laughs>